Offenbach. everybody um good evening Uh, my mom called me right before the podcast started like 45 seconds before the music to make sure that i was harvesting bacon from township i am in fact harvesting bacon from township so as heinous as it is to harvest bacon from live pigs on township i am doing it so um Tonight's podcast is about um, the genesis of the idea, which um, we demonstrate a lot, a hell of a lot, in um, in plot drifts. So we're going to talk about that because um, Julie spent the morning noodling on it. So we'll see what she has to say about the whole thing. For those of you who are um, coming into uh, the chat and our chat room situation was messed up, um, we have moved to Discord, and the Discord link is on the summary of the um, podcast, but it's also on my chat link on my site. If you go and hit chat room, you'll see the two Discord links. One is for the podcast, and the other is for our Just Write server, where um, we just write, and it's really awesome. So I really hope you guys will join us on both servers. It's free to join. And really super stable and easy to use. And I'm kind of mad that we haven't been using it this whole time. It's just, it's great. Um, I am also coming up on my anniversary for my podcast. My first podcast was aired on 3-9-2014. So, um, wow, I'm having my five-year anniversary on the 9th. Um, That's just so crazy. That's so crazy. Anyways, we're going to get started. as soon as I find Jillian. Did Boo Mom ever join us in the chat room? Or is Boo Mom lingering in in the craziness in the the cyber world listening to us with no with no anchor? Where is the Boo? Where is our Boo? Boo, join Discord. Come play with us on Discord. It's not hard, I promise. It's not easy either for me because but all you gotta do is click. We already did all the hard work. No, let me rephrase that. Jilly already did all the hard work. <laughs> all you got to do is click. Join us, boo. Join us. Anyways, I have a, uh, I had a thing happen to me on, um, and I don't want to say the name, but um, someone I um, uh, uh, am enamored with as a writer um, is thinking about joining us for Rough Trade. And have you ever seen that episode of SG-1 where Cadet Haley sees the the Stargate for the first time and she flicks her little hands out? It, she, she, like, flails. She does the Haley flail. <laughs> well, I did the Haley flail when I saw this comment. I was like, ah, oh, my God. <laughs> I saw the Stargate, you guys. <laughs> Anyways. This is like Kira's version of the face of God. She saw the Stargate. They didn't want to do. I don't want you guys to harass her or anything. But I'm just, I would be over the moon if this person joined Rough Trade and, and participated in April. Um, so, yeah. 
but um uh so we've so, been doing this sprint very inspiring i did a um i wrote a prompt on um i did the november 29th prompt for the photo for the for the for the thursday vignette um tonight during sprints i wrote 500 words in um roughly 35 minutes nice so you said you did november 29th i have to go check and see which which picture that is and it's a wedding dress in emma watson um and i um i did a spell check ran it through grammarly and stuck it on my site (laughs) that's all we need right I'm like, it's 500 words. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I did. I didn't count my test sprints because I didn't. I didn't track them, but um, mm-hmm. I don't have any idea how much I wrote in my test sprints. But since I started using the spreadsheet to track my sprints, I had 76k written since February 16th. Um, I'm really happy with my spreadsheet. I'm really amused by the spreadsheet. I I had created a different spreadsheet before you put that one up. Um, Mm -hmm. And I haven't made good. I tried switching to that one and I was like, "Mm." I like it. (laughs) I like, I like it's based on what is it? Gas mileage or something. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted I, I I created mine to carry over. I have, but the thing is, there's some downsides to the way I did mine, which is that it carries over my, it automatically populates my my ending word count into the starting word count of the next sprint. Um, the downside to that is is that I have to have a different set of um, columns, a different set of you know formulations for each story I work on. But 76k in two weeks is um, that's about that's that's heavy rough trade pace for me. That's not there's some days I only wrote a thousand words, but there's you know one day I wrote seventeen thousand. So um, I did the math the other day. This is not counting recent. Um, okay, uh, I probably okay from two sixteen to two twenty seven thousand words. Over 81 sprints, and my average is 470 words. Greater productivity. I was just thought, I didn't think I was going to like it. I really thought when when I really thought that the the write-in that I wanted to do would be like to go sit in an open write kind of space and check in with people periodically and just kind of have like a sense of community. But the sprints just kind of took over my brain. I mean, the first day we did this, the sprints, um, I wound up really busy the day of the, the write-in, which I had tried to clear my schedule for it, um, you know, because I set it up, so I was like, I need to be there. But then <laughs> life happened, you know, and um, – so I tried to get as much as I could, and I still wrote like thirteen thousand words on that on the on that day, and I wasn't even there that much. So um, my biggest sprint is thirteen, almost thirteen hundred words. It was twelve eighty five, all dialogue. I was totally in the zone. Um, my average sprint is just shy of eight hundred words on on a mechanical keyboard, and it's about six hundred words on a membrane keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. 
I just get so much more done. And the thing is, what's weird is these 10-minute breaks. I thought those 10-minute breaks would really destroy my productivity, and they've actually dramatically improved it. So I, I can't, I, I'm not saying I think that they would work for everyone because I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I think that they have worked for a lot of people who are sure they wouldn't work for. Um, but I've what's heard more really people- interesting about this is that between the four and 600 mark is the average for people in the sprint, is what I'm seeing from people. And I was talking yeah. about this on Dreamwit today about how the word count minimum for the day in April to meet the 30,000 word minimum is just 1,000 words. Well, I am seeing people in the sprint do that in 40 minutes. Yeah. Two writing sprints, people are getting their word count, what they would need for that word count done. Three writing sprints, and you'd have your nano word count done. I mean, think about that. So, and now we do have some people who are slower typers who average more like 200 to 250 words, but that's still even their reporting, that's like double what they usually write. So, um, and I agree, I'm interrupting my flow mess up my creativity but it really doesn't mess it up the break because i have read one i get into when, when i'm staring you're, at, you're breaking up on me is that just me or is that her is that you guys too you guys hear me breaking you're, up yeah i have really good signal that's just sad people are typing i'll wait and see what they say people are hearing me break up it's me okay i'm gonna dial back in okay okay it's been really interesting to watch these um, to watch you guys. Um, some of you saying, "Oh, well, I can never participate in rough trade because I don't have the word count." Um, well, yes, you do. <laughs> you really totally do. Somebody on Skype just waved at me. I, I don't have time for Skype flirting. I don't even know what that is. Stop that. <laughs> anyway. I lost the, okay there it is. I lost the uh the 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 dashboard for blog talk for a second there. But it's really interesting to watch you guys um uh and be so productive. I think my sweet spot for um for riding and sprints is probably twenty five minutes instead of twenty. But twenty works fine for me. But I think that printed on my own this week with um, outside of um the uh the, the Just Right server, I was doing 25-minute um, sprints, and that was a good kind of spot for me, creatively. But I did think um, that it was a little more ex- – I think I was a little more uh, tired afterwards. And, but what I will say is that I wrote 13,000 words in a day, and it was like I wrote nothing. And in the past – if I had written 13,000 words without those little 10-minute breaks in between, I would have been a hot mess, and I would not have been able to write the next day. But I did write the next day. I wrote 5,000 more words the next day. I finished my um, novella for Cobblestone, actually, The Merman. Um, I'll be um, – uh, it's currently in beta, and um, so it'll be going off to the publisher to be to be reviewed. Um uh, to see what they think. Um, I didn't quite follow the rules, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm a rule breaker. Um, 
so a romance writer at heart, and that's an erotica series, and I, I had a hard time letting my characters go. So we'll, we'll just we'll just see how it goes. But um, it's just it's it's interesting. Where is the Jilly? There is the Jilly. There's the wild Jilly. She has returned. I have returned. Is this better? Yes. Yes. Do I, do I, I see most fragmented? Mm. Yeah, yes. well, the thing is, that when, I, when I write, the, the biggest detriment to me with writing long, well, my hands can really seize up if I write for really protracted periods of time. But uh, other than the aches and pains and stuff, if I stop being able to see, um, my vision just gets really blurry and no amount of eye drops. And there is something about your blink rate goes down when you're staring at screens. The dry eye might be the reason why you're having a hard time seeing. But there is also just you lose your ability to focus properly when you've been staring at screens for a long time. And one of the things I had read was that you should, every 20 minutes, you should stop and, you know, focus away from a screen. And um, I was like, that's just so hard to do. It's just so hard to do. It's really not that hard to do when you're doing writing sprints because every 20 minutes you have a break built in. So I was able to write because sometimes I would have to stop writing even on days when I was highly productive and really in the zone. I would have to stop writing because I couldn't see my screen anymore. It, everything was just too blurry. Um, I was having too hard of a time focusing. So it's been really good for eye strain. It's been really good for just me not aching, being aches and pains the next day. Um, I, I can't recommend me. If, uh, we've got people who write on pen and paper. So we've got one person who's computer crapped out and is doing writing sprints on the phone, and I think he's averaging um, four or 500 words a sprint on his phone. So, yeah. You yeah. know, you, you can do it. You know, if, if you want to, you, don't let your thing, I just don't want people to feel like that they're being held back from trying it for whatever obstacle they have. Um, if there were a couple of printers who were counting by the page because they were mm-hmm. writing on notebooks, crazy ass people, yep. <laughs> and they were averaging one to two pages um, every twenty per minutes. Sprint. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic for a sprint. So, whatever you do, you can we can you know try it. There's nothing that precludes you from doing a sprint just because you aren't aren't sitting in a in a laptop. Um, sitting at a laptop is not it would not be it because there's nothing that's absolutely nothing that says you can't sit down with a tablet and a pen and the Discord app on your phone and go to town. You don't have to sit at a computer. So you could do that anywhere. You could do it in a park. If you're a pen and paper fetishist, we embrace you. Actually, I'm a pen fetishist myself. I just can't write neatly enough to get my ideas out. You know, I, I can't love read them. Pens, I love papers. I love notebooks. I collect them. Sometimes I even write in them. <laughs> um, I do tend to write exclusively on the computer these days. Uh, I do like to um, kind of noodle my plot on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a Bluetooth keyboard for my Kindle. It's very handy. Very Yeah, we do have some, some people who are just using a little Bluetooth candle, Bluetooth keyboard, and their and their whatever tablet device they have. Um, whatever, whatever gets you through. If you if you get in it and you enjoy it, I think the thing is people are finding that they really are enjoying it, and they're breaking having some breakthroughs in, either in plot 
or in motivation or in inspiration or whatever it is, and so they're willing to just try things they haven't tried before, like trying to write on their phone or trying to write, you know, go to a write-in and do it on paper or, um, you know, or bust out the, the, you know, use your tablet if your laptop isn't available. Um, but I, I, it's, I just find, I find you guys really inspiring that everybody is trying so many different things and being so willing to experiment. Um, and I see people set aside things that aren't working. You know, like, oh, this isn't working. I feel like I'm really stuck. Um, so I'm going to try something else. And that is really exciting because a lot of times people get stuck. They don't want to start on something else. But so what I'm seeing is the reverse of that is they get stuck and they want to keep writing. So they pick another project. And that is just really exciting. It's because awesome they want because going. there's no stymieing. They're not, you know, they're not, um, they're not getting in their own way. Yeah. And it does, it does um, help to be, in a room full of people who are doing the same thing and having the same experiences as you are. We also, today in the sprint, um, while we were sprinting, somebody else was editing. She was editing on the sprint schedule. And I think that that, I hadn't considered doing that, but I think that's actually a great idea because sometimes when I'm editing, I need those 10-minute breaks. Because it's so annoying. I can't so freaking annoying. <laughs> the thing is, when you're, I and I know this to be true, is when you're looking at, when you're editing, you will stop seeing the mistakes. And you, but if you give yourself time out, you, you'll, your eyes are fresher, your brain is fresher, and ten minutes may be all that you need. So, yeah, you do. I, you do have to, and I actually think that part of, part of this, part of the breakthrough for me, and everybody will find their own path. But part of the breakthrough for me was a couple of things. One was to stop micro-editing myself. That's why my average sprint in training was four or 500 words, and my average sprint now is 800 or 900 words, is because I stopped micro-tweaking my language in the rough draft and kind of you know, subtly adjusting scenes, and I just let it come out however it's going to come out. Um, that to me was a real big breakthrough for me. The other thing was I am terrible up till I started doing these sprints about leaving blanks, putting in, you know, fill in the name of the town or pick a, pick, pick an OC name or I was terrible about. I had to do it in my merman. In the merman I was writing and I didn't leave a blank. Name is, I didn't name his boat. And I was like, I didn't name the boat. And I, and I need the boat name. And I ended up putting boat name in big capital letters in the middle of my narrative. That was, I, I can't. <laughs> but I did it. And I named it later. And it was really, but it was, it was difficult. <laughs> it is, but the thing is, that's a, break, that's, a, that's a breakthrough when you, when you, ha- when you are like that. When you are somebody who can't have that blank that really struggles with that, because what happens is when, you're, when you get into something where you need to make a lot of decisions like that, one or two things isn't a problem. But I've had complete mornings of writing completely destroyed because I was turning around looking something up every five seconds. And being able to put those blanks in and just let them be until I could go back and address it was a huge breakthrough for me. Huge. I can't even express it because I just have not ever been able to do that before. 
Yeah, as as uh, as as just basically hand waved in. I'll figure out the details later on a whole fucking ritual. <laughs> <laughs> ritual stuff it's aren't back here. Ritual here. <laughs> now, moving on. <laughs> I actually answered several prompts. Um, one today, um, but earlier in the um, before I was actually keeping track, I also um, I see I've answered one. Two, three, four, five, six. I answered six of the um, the vignette and drabble prompts um, d- during sprints, and that's all. For and those prompts are all pantsing for me, um, because I don't plot my prompts. It's like a, a kind of like a free exercise in my brain, you know, just kind of spreading mm-hmm. myself out a little bit. So there's no plotting there. Um, and I'm still, I still can't believe that I didn't name the fucking boat. I, that isn't a detail I would normally overlook because honestly, a boat's name is important. Its name mm-hmm. is serious business. Um, and it's like I cannot believe I didn't name the fucking boat. It was like, it was actually a boat, not a ship, because he was, he's on a, he's on a shipping, a fishing boat. He's not. A ship. It's it's not a ship. He did serve on a ship when he was in the Navy, but he owns the boat, and he lives on it. (laughs) I know the difference. It's an important distinction. I know the difference between a boat and a ship. (laughs) I just named it Serious Business. This asshole needs to stop waving at me. Who is this? I, I don't have time for you. What? Someone's waving at you? Somebody is waving at me on Skype. Look, dudes who are listening to my podcast currently. I know I sound really young, but I'm not. I'm middle-aged. I'm officially middle-aged. I could probably be your mama. So stop trying to get me to whatever you think you're trying to do just don't <laughs> I'm not going to say dirty words in your ear over Skype <laughs> weirdos anyway <clears throat> yeah I mean yeah I did actually name the boat I, I forget what I named the boat now I have to go look because um, I feel like I feel like I should tell you guys what I named it because you know, I talked about it so much. <laughs> I was working on a story. I actually did um, name all my OCs ahead of time for this one story that I was working on. But I went to go sprint without my notebook that had that information in it. And I, I, one of the OCs' names, I just blanked. I was like, I don't remember what this person's name is. And I just went, okay, blank, <laughs> blank. And the funny thing is, even though I still haven't actually filled that in, even though, of course, I've since retrieved my notebook. Oh, that's a good boat name. <laughs> yeah, I named the boat The Hedonist. Um, it is a uh, – my other main character, it's a charter boat. He uses it uh, um, to uh, – for uh, research trips for his sister, who's an ocean, who's an ocean, who's a 
marine biologist and he takes deep sea fishing and stuff like that you know so he's um uh he's just a dude living on a boat living his best life so i named his boat the hedonist i like that boat name Yeah, I, I won't. I won't reveal. I won't reveal <laughs> reveal that Ellie. But Ellie did hit a a detail that she uh, she couldn't uh, hand wave away. <laughs> it, was just too, it was too plot critical, and I was like, which when she told us in in chat at the time, it was like, yeah, you better go either sort that out or pick a different project because you cannot go on. <laughs> It'd be like it would be analogous to. Um, writing a Harry Potter sorting scene and not having decided where, what house anybody was going to be in. You can't just leave that shit <laughs> blank. <laughs> yeah, because that's actually, just... that's a huge thing because that defines his entire experience with Hogwarts, who who he's in class with and uh, who's in his dorm okay, room. So At least as I can tell you guys. So she's writing a sky-high um, fusion story, and she was doing power placements the day of school, and she hadn't decided what anybody's powers were. <laughs> Did you at least call something heroes or sidekicks? <laughs> I, I'm sure she figured that part out, but, yeah, so she had nobody's powers for the power placement scene, and so she hit a complete brick wall. And, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you cannot, like, put go, I'll figure it out later because – you can't progress past that point if you don't know. So yeah, so that was we we well, we were all very we were all amused at the time. And I don't remember Ellie. Did you stop and figure it out, or did you work on something else? I don't remember how that went down. I, I think that she went to go figure it out. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those funny moments where we, because normally we were all trying to encourage each other, to just oh yeah, go ahead, put the put the placeholder in and move on. And she said that, and I scratched my head, and I'm like, yeah, I can't encourage you to let that go. <laughs> go, figure your, go figure your shit out. <laughs> Insert superpower here. <laughs> well, does he fly? Is he super strong? It makes a difference. <sighs> But one of the other things, and it kind of led to um, part of the thing about the podcast tonight, is I have also seen um, a lot of idea genesis in in going on with friends, is people are inspiring themselves to new ideas. And, like, the more they write. And we've said this before, but I'm not sure that everybody believed us, is the more you write, the more ideas you get. Most people are not got like one idea in there and they write it and they're done. Um, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. Most people who want to write, the more they write, the more ideas they get. And when I've seen that in the things people are saying, oh, I just had this idea for this and, you know, they're off working on something else. Um, and that is also very exciting to see is people getting idea inspiration. Um, and idea inspiration comes from everywhere, right? It comes from as you walk through life, as you read things, as you watch TV, as you see movies. 
But what is really cool is when the idea inspiration is coming from your own organic writing experience. As you're working on something, you have an idea for something else and an idea from something else and something else and something else. Um, when in doubt, do multiplication. Oh, yeah. Oh, the ability to make oneself multiple copies of oneself. Um, hmm. I don't. I don't think the Weasley twins should have that ability. It's terrifying. I'm pretty sure they were no. born with it. No. That's um, not a good idea. <laughs> one Fred and one George was all we needed. Joanne. But we needed one Fred. We but we needed one Fred and one George. Not to not, say. Not 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 one George. Right. She should have killed Ron. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> we all thought it. We all thought it. Admit it. <laughs> That's actually he. He. It's an illusionary enchantment, and in, um, that Harry uses in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. He uses a duplication spell um, that's basically giving his animagus spirit form. He's making a copy of his body so his animagus spirit can can exist in the same physical environment as he is. As he is basically. So yes, that, that's actually a little, a, a little more kinky than you thought. <laughs> What are the twins? Trouble. <laughs> That's what they are. Yeah. <laughs> As is getting bloodthirsty over there. She wants to just kill all the Weasleys. Well, not all of them. But more. More. She regularly does kill them in her um in her. That's in her true, fix. she does. But you've talked before about how action precedes motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think that in the sprint, that is actually really true. Because I have gone into the sprint thinking I'm really not going to do anything today and come out on the other end of it with 5,000 words. And I'm like, that's not what I thought was going to happen, but okay. <laughs> I really wasn't in the mood today. Oh, look, I got 5,000 words oh, written. Look, check that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, out. And honestly, sometimes I'm like, oh, I really need to stop. And then there's like somebody goes, anybody up for sprinting another hour? And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's just keep going. And sometimes I get, I mean, I've had some sprints that were like 110 words. And it wasn't because I was really writing during that time, but because sometimes you do have to stop and ponder. Um, you know, you have to sometimes I don't have to go, that okay, time now wasted. That, At all. That time no. you're focused on your craft and you're, you're doing your thing, whether you're um, actually typing or writing, it's, you know, yeah. It's all part of that process. I had, I had been working. Um, I was, I was doing. I worked on like five or six different projects over the course of, um, the sprints. Um, one of the things I had, I had a a big block on um, subversive, and I used the writing sprints to to get through um, this one scene that was really in my way. Um, and it was just like, I'm just going to write it, 
I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to write it. I'm just going to let it happen, and then I'll I'll work worry work worry about editing it later. Um, so that was really good for getting past this block I had on this one scene. Um, so I worked on a lot of projects, but one of the the project the project I put most I would say the most word count individually into was finishing up my quantum bang, which I did basically finish up. I have one scene left to write because, and the reason I have one scene left to write when I thought I was done was because I, um, over the course of the writing, I knew I had a problem. I, I like finished a sprint on it and I was like, something isn't right. And I realized I had too much falling action. And it was sort of that epiphany. I was like, aha, there's too much. I've written too many scenes after the climax. And I was like, I just need to restructure this. So um, I had done the restructuring before I went into the next set of writing sprints. Um, but it turned out that that restructuring wasn't as complete as I had thought it would be was. So I, I, I got, had like two or three sprints in a row that were like under 200 words while I tried to smooth out that restructuring and figure out, um, make sure that the flow of everything was still right and, you know, shave a little bit off here and add some words there. Um, and I, I, even though my word count for the cross three sprints was probably 600 words, it didn't save me in the slightest because that's what I needed to get done. And more importantly, not only did I need to get it done, I got it done. <laughs> that's the key part, Yay! right? Is you actually finish. And, and if you, if you know, if, if people come in with an expectation that, you know, I'm going to write 10,000 words today, okay, if that's what you need to get done, great. But what if what you need to get done is edit 10,000 words? Or what if what you need to get done is, you know, finish plotting something? Or the thing is you can use the writing sprints to do more than just crank out word count. I've had before um, and actually got some flack about it from a couple of readers who um, found it kind of offensive for some reason. I don't know. Um, but I talked before about being around other writers and how um, nothing and no one inspires me more than other writers, which is why I cultivate relationships with writers both online and in reality and why I prefer to be around to be around other writers over readers. That could be the part that was offensive. <laughs> and it's not um, to say that I don't enjoy interacting with readers, but readers aren't... Readers absorb... They absorb your craft. They they take it in. Whereas another writer, you can bounce off another writer. And you create this kind of energetic exchange. Does that make sense? I, I'm not trying to say that readers are like black holes, but they kind of are. Well, it's just... <laughs> there's this funny thing. When it comes to writing and a few there's a few other things that are modes of creative expression where people act like it's some kind of I don't know it's like it's offensive that you you people hang out with people who are 
of uh, who are in 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 the craft with them, right? Who are writers too, and it doesn't mean that they have to be writing actively, but that just and we've talked about that before. That writer being a writer doesn't necessarily mean that you sit down, um, and write every day. You know, you know if you're a writer or not. Nobody has to define we sh- nobody has to define that for you. So, but the funny thing is, like, let's say you were a crafter of some kind. Let's say you were really big into, I don't know, knitting or needlepoint or something, and you want to hang out or, like, go to a quilting bee, right? And you, you sit down with quilt, other quilters, and you sit and you quilt all day together, and you talk, and you quilt, and you look at each other's design ideas, and you get inspired, and da 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 it, Isn't that the kind of thing you're going to do more than other than outside of, like, you know, craft shows? Are you going to sit down and hang out with people who buy quilts? Probably right? not. You're not going to find that all that inspiring. <laughs> But you might find it inspiring and motivating to go sit down with other quilters and sit and quilt together. And it's that I've talked to people who don't have any problem understanding why a knitter or a quilter or somebody who does needlepoint might be wanting to be with somebody who's like-minded and doing the same thing to help motivate and inspire each other. But, man, you talk about writing, it's like, oh, my God, what do you mean you don't want to be around the person who reads your writing? It's not that I don't want to be around you. It's just I don't find... I don't find it inspiring. It's not helping with my craft to just hang out and talk about, you know. I, there's there's a difference between being friends with somebody who reads your work and hanging out and being buddies and hanging out with your other writers and writing. It's two completely different things. Because I'm friends with lots of people who read my writing. Oh, Claire, it's, that, it's, is, it, that it, is beautiful. It, huh? Claire just said the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Can I say it out loud on the on the podcast? You really need to. This needs to be preserved. Because it's beautiful. It brought tears to my eyes. It was so beautiful. Claire says, being a reader isn't actually providing a service. It's a receiving position. <laughs> That's right, assholes. You're my bitches. Know your role and stay in your lane. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't send me hate mail. I love my readers. I do. They're just not... Um, when I need to be in a space where I need uh, to work as a writer, I need to be around other writers. Yeah, I need um, I, love, I need to be able to bounce love, ideas off writers and readers don't. It's a rare I reader can, that can I provide can, that kind of energy for me. I can um, like be in a chat with people, with people, other fandom people, and we're talking about fandom and find it fun and sometimes inspiring, I might get ideas, but that's not usually the point of it. We're talking about fandom. We're talking about things you like. And I consider us in that role, we're both just participants in fandom. Not that right. I'm a reader and I'm a writer. Okay? We're the same. We're the same. Now, if they look at us differently, that's not my problem. But I can be friends with and have fun with people who are more reader than writer. It has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with um, – how I get my inspiration, how I like to work. Because if any of you have ever, I know many of you have had this experience of trying to talk about writing and your writing specifically with not only somebody who's only a reader, but somebody who's a fan. 
it doesn't go well. It's not good. The only it thing is really, worse is really that not good. that non-rider rider who, when they find out you're a rider, the first words out of their mouth what is, oh, well, I always thought I would write a book. Yeah. I always had this idea for this novel. <sighs> Have you? <laughs> I have never met one of those people who actually had written anything after high school, um, who had the first idea how to construct a book, but they believe sincerely in their heart that they could do it because writing a book is easy. It's so insulting. Oh, my God. But, you know, they don't mean to be insulting. They're trying to connect with you. They're just doing it really badly. Eyelash in my eyeball is so terrible. Oh my god, that is so, that is so annoying. Now this is coming. I don't know this this kind of tweet. This kind of caught my interest. It is like mentioned about introverts versus extroverts. I'm actually an extrovert. Um, every person I test I've ever taken says I'm an extrovert. When it comes to writing, I am more like an introvert. Not because my personality has changed, but because Writing is a very internal process. So I don't find when I am sitting down with other writers to write, I don't find that I can really tell who's an extrovert or an introvert. But I don't find that it really matters. And if I can, if I really can spot that somebody's an extrovert in a group full of writers, I'm kind of wondering if they're there to write. <laughs> because I'm like, why are, you, why are you acting out? Stop it. <laughs> You're not writing. Um, what you often find in nano groups, if they have public meetings, um, there are two kinds of write-ins. The write-ins at the library, you're working your ass off. They're run by a dictator. And that dictator has a timer and a stopwatch and a bell. And they're going to fuck you up if you don't do your job. And your job is to write. It's you to write. Um, then there's the write-ins at the coffee shop, which are kind of relaxed and you take your time, and no one's timing you. There are no sprints, and people are, you know, drinking coffee and eating cookies and maybe writing a little bit. Then there are the writings that take place in bars where people pull out their laptops, but they're not writing. <laughs> yeah, it's they're contemplating what kind of snack to get with their beer. <laughs> yeah. I happen to love all three kinds of write-ins. They all serve and we'll purpose. If you really because want to get your said, writing so done, other writers are really entertaining. Yeah, if you really want to get your writing done, don't go to a write-in at a bar. You're you're not going to get your expectations <laughs> met. Yeah, if you want to do a serious write-in, um, look for the ones that take place in um, in libraries uh, because they're going to be. Full tilt. I've also seen that some of the more serious ones is where they like reserve, and somebody's paying like money to reserve like an entire back room at a restaurant or something. They expect you to get your ass in there and write, and they're, pay- they're they they got that back room so that you guys aren't being disrupted by other patrons, and you better be quiet, like okay. and do your shit. <laughs> not quiet. You not like people can't talk. But right. The point, the point but, is, these these is to stay on topic. 
yeah, this is serious business, yeah. But um, I prefer, I'll actually, I like those write-ins, also, but um, my favorite will probably be the coffee shop because I do spend a lot of time in the coffee shop already um, around my, my, my people. Um, and so I have an informal writing group um, that, yeah, I just, I spend time there. And so it's really, you know, I see other writers and how you doing, how's this going? Uh, did you figure out your situation and your plot? Da 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 da. Um, where writing gets done, but it's not treated like um, a military exercise. Yeah. Well, I already write in the coffee shop, you know, sometimes. So um, if I have to be out of the house, or I just want to change the scenery, or I just need to get away. I mean, when the coffee shop is less noise and what's going on at home. Um, wow. So. Yeah, so, but sometimes, you know, you just, so I already have this kind of, you know, like baked into my brain of like there's like two things for me to do, well, three things for me to do in a coffee shop. Well, I guess there's a fourth. The first is drink coffee, um, of course. The second is to read, and the fourth is, the third is to write, and the fourth thing is to people watch, which um, it, it's certainly never what I'm going to the coffee shop for, but sometimes just some people need to be watched. <laughs> I'm just saying. Some people bring their llama from home. Some people do. And you, some people come wearing clown socks. <laughs> Which cannot ever be unseen. Really, especially since she was sitting right next to me with her legs crossed, with her legs ankles toward me, bouncing her fucking clown sock bedazzled foot the whole, in the corner of my vision. And I was like, I have to go. <laughs> I have I to leave. This. I can't. I can't. I came here to write. I can't be here for this clown bouncing in the, my peripheral vision. I have to go. I can't be here for this. It's too much. I, I'm too delicate for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, clown socks are, are are next level. I have to say. Yeah, that that's that person. This is soulless. I don't even know what to say. As says, some people are just sitting there drinking coffee with no book or phone out, like a serial killer. <laughs> I'm telling you, he was a serial killer. You weren't here for that. You were in the chat. I was, I forget where I was. No. I might have. I might have been sprinting. I don't remember. Or it may have been me in headquarters chat. Regardless, I was um, in the coffee shop, and there was this dude. And he was writing in a copy of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. He drew a big X through a whole page. And it then he sounds got like a hot pink highlighter. Pink. Um, it sounds like he was doing some sort of critical analysis of it. Well, but why would you would you would you write a big old X through a whole page? Maybe he really didn't like that scene. Apparently not. I don't know. It, it was a uh, total serial killer. I have, No one could convince me otherwise. This dude was a serial killer. I should have reported him. He's probably got like, somebody captured in his basement. Who he's reading his abridged version of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban too. He's creating an abridged version of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Which seems like, um, seems like he's got too much time on his hands. And honestly, that's the one you choose to edit and not the Order of the Phoenix? 
Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? No, Sirius didn't die in um, Prisoner of Azkaban. He died in the Order of the Phoenix. Um, and that scene could have gotten some editing, Joanne, who kills people because they're inconvenient for her plot. People and and beloved pets. And, and the other half of Fred and George. <sighs> that didn't happen. I agree with you. It didn't <laughs> happen. It. Let's just forget the last book happened at all. I think pretty much once yeah, there's Horcruxes, it kind of went off the rails. I was like, mm. Yeah. I mean, I deal with the Horcrux thing in stories, and I've, I've re- certainly written it in stories, but I can't say that I was overly fond of that plot development. Because it felt pants thin. It didn't feel like the foundation for it was ever written into the Series. I think that she should have picked one. She should have either gone with the Deathly Hallows or she should have gone with the Horcruxes. But doing both? Yeah. Now, it would be my preference <laughs> that the power he knew not would be the master of death and that the Deathly Hallows coming together was um, Harry's weapon to defeating Voldemort. That, I think, would have been... Um, yeah, because really I like epic. the idea of a children's a children's fairy tale being the the key to all of that. That was would have been really good. But the Horcruxes for me, I think the reason why is when they got to the Horcruxes, I was like, wait a minute, because it, it felt like it was like retconning some stuff that we had already read. I was like, but does this make sense? I mean, like we've talked about, all the plotting consistencies around the Horcruxes make it feel like they weren't actually part of her original world building. Although I know that supposedly the whole thing was planned out from beginning to end, it just didn't apparently in an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, yeah, Um, it just didn't feel like it was planned out. When I when I saw it, I was like, that felt like it was out of left field. Um, the Horcruxes are the part that doesn't feel organic for me. The Deathly Hallows feel organic. He gets the first one in his oh, first think. year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very it's a very organic thing that, that that's happening throughout the the thing. Um, the the Resurrection Stone was in Riddle's family's hands. Um, mm-hmm. Dumbledore had the wand. It just it that felt really organic and, and well done, and the Horcruxes seemed shoehorned in. Yeah. And, that I mean, is she the didn't most terrible not... thing I've ever heard, Demma. I, too, was at the midnight sale of Deathly Hallows. I brought it home. I did not open the last page and read it first. I read it in the very beginning. <laughs> People who read the ends of books hurt my heart as a writer. <laughs> Well, no, I think if Harry Potter were, Harry Potter was po- popular enough that if she'd meant it to be a 10-book series, it would have been a 10-book series. It would have been a 10-book series, yeah. Nobody nobody was going, oh, my God, we can't handle an eighth book. So, but yeah, I, and, and I, I, mean, I think I, if she did Harry Potter and the Order Academy, I would totally, did I say that right for the first time ever? I would totally buy it. It'll never happen again. It was like I didn't even mean to say it. It just came out. 
are see it. It's gone now. <laughs> it was very organic. I'll just, how it happened. I'll just cut that part out of my podcast and, and make a little sound clip of it so I can use it later. Um. Uh, but um, I would totally buy a book eight. I would just so I yeah, can have the material too. for my fan fiction. <laughs> New opportunities I, um, to bash. <laughs> I cried when Sirius died, but I had to take a 15-minute break when Hedvig died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's just... I, I, I had to pause. I was like, oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> that's just all the no. Had to get chocolate. Yeah. Had to get chocolate. <laughs> Actually, I dealt with I dealt with it better at the time than I did when I heard her rationale for it. I was like, I felt like that was like a, the biggest okay. betrayal. <laughs> I was like, come on. Oh, I couldn't even read that scene when Dobby died because there was tears singing in my eyes so bad that I had to like wash my face, finish. <laughs> I'm totally going to do that, Desert. I totally am. Um, so I could finish the so scene here, where Harry bears Bobby. I was like, I can't. I can't. It couldn't yeah, be any no. worse if he took Dr. Hollow and buried him. <laughs> this this is um, what, what J.K. Rowling said about why Hedwig had to die. The loss of Hedwig represented a loss of innocence and security. She had almost been like a cuddly toy to Harry at times. Voldemort killing her marked the end of childhood. Um, bullshit. I'm just, I'm sorry, but no. None of that. Harry was never Harry. The innocence, end of innocence, really. Harry didn't deserve one cuddly toy. Come on, he'd never had one before. What's really interesting? And what childhood? Is that her death, her death in the book. She's in the cage. In the movie, she takes a killing curse for Harry. She's flying. She's free. If she takes a killing curse for him, which. I don't want Hedwig to die, but I think her movie death is much more moving and amazing than what got written in the book. This, that it becomes a a act of love, like when his mother died for him. And here's Hedwig dying for him again. Instead of it being almost like a fucking accident in the book. Yeah, I do. I do, I do think that that was the, the the taking the killing curse for Harry was was a was a better um, a better tribute to what she had been in the book, um, rather than just you know because he hit, her dying in the cage like that really did make it feel like she was just like a stuffed animal, you know. It, it, I, I hadn't had that context till I read that quote. And then I went, oh, 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 oh. no. Mm, sometimes authors are better off not explaining things. <laughs> don't, don't tell me. Let me live with my illusions. I just think that in the movie, her death has meaning. It has purpose. It it actually echoes Lily's sacrifice, um, which I think is a much better um, motivation for what takes place with her than what we got out of the book. 
um, yeah. where she's basically discarded. And I, it just, it really. So, and honestly, in all the deaths, um, Hedwig's in the book bothered me the most um, because it was, it was senseless and it was, it served no purpose. Beyond, and I thought, well, I thought she's getting her out of the way for the plot. It does feel like she was trying to plug a plot hole or something. Although, really, the is a much easier way of plugging that plot hole is Harry stops using a fucking owl while Voldemort's looking for him. Or really, he could have told her, I need you to stay here. Don't look for me. Because Hedwig wasn't dumb. She was smart. She would have stayed where he told her to stay. Mm-hmm. If he had told her, I need you to go live with with Hagrid at Hogwarts, she would have done it. I agree. She would have. It just didn't need to be... It didn't need to be that. Any reader would have bought that. The reader would have bought that wholesale if when he'd have got to the borough with Hedwig, and he realized how dangerous his situation was going to be and that he couldn't have her with him. If he had taken her outside and taken her out of the cage and told her how much he loved her and how important her safety was and said, I need you to go live with Hagrid at Hogwarts. And when this is over, I'll come for you. The reader would have bought it hook, line, and sinker. And it would have actually been a better plot point for the change in Harry because here is Harry letting go of the last piece of his childhood willingly as he faces war Joanne (laughs) I'm just saying (laughs) no one's wrong but I doubt it we're never getting over it. <laughs> um, so it's risk of kind of pivoting. I was thinking, just thinking about the whole idea thing. And it was just kind of like percolating in the back of my brain when we were talking about the whole reader or writer thing. Um, this comes up with writers sometimes too, but I would say this is more how something happens more often than not with readers is there are some people who have a lot of ideas or a lot of things they would love to see in a story or um, whatever. And with there are actually whole groups on a group on that's now moved to Miwi. Um, they have sprung up around putting out ideas you have to see if anybody's interested in adopting it or writing it or whatever. And, um, and that's great. But I think that, um, one of the things that is 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 difficult is hmm, I think I know how to say this. It's really important if you are somebody who's brimming with ideas that if you're a writer, um, you're you mean you you just you do you have this well of creativity and you write your ideas down and sometimes that turns into a story or whatever, um, and. 
if you're not a writer, maybe you go and you put your plot bunnies up on prompt stuff and you hope somebody will pick it up. And any of that stuff is fine. What I find to be difficult behavior for me to deal with um, is when people try to shove their ideas at me. Um, and this it usually comes more from readers than from writers who understand about more understand kind of understand the dynamic more. And I understand and I I get where it's coming from. People really want this idea written and they really, really you know, would like for you, whoever you are, to be the person who writes this idea. But it is super intrusive um when idea craft is like like a foundational element of what being a writer is when someone's trying to shove their ideas um in your head and make you interested in them. And Remember the PDF? PDF? Oh, the lady the sent prompt. us the PDF the, of her idea, her prompt. It was the like, yeah. what, like 15 pages? It was ridiculous. And she said you, yeah. you and I could write it or you could write it or I could write it. And it was like the idea and then it was a list of things that we must do to write her story. Yeah, and and the and then she had this big summary of the points she might be willing to bend on, depending upon the author. And if we weren't interested in this, could we please source an author for it? Right, source like, for the author. She actually said that part. I was like, uh, it was amazing. I, I should look it up. No, the kicks. Um, it was actually so offensive, it stopped being offensive. It was kind of like one of those dogs, it's so ugly they get cute. Yeah. It was so offensive. Sharpay being funny. It was the Sharpay of email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, we're like, this is not a, this is not a prompt. Actually, this is a spec. And I, I'm not interested in writing. It's one thing for me to come up with a spec that I submit to like a publisher and they agree to it. And then I write to that spec because it's still my fucking idea. It's another thing for somebody to hand me their writing spec and go do this. It wasn't a prompt. It was a spec. And I get pegged you right on spec, just to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) And I wouldn't write fan fiction on spec for pay because that's illegal. It is illegal. Uh, but, I mean, it's like people think you're a writer. You and like writing this character. You must want to write my idea. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Uh, maybe I like writing my own ideas. There are ideas. Um, it, I actually am not even sure I can think of a time where it has happened where somebody else's idea wholesale worked for me perfectly the way I would want to implement it. I have had really good ideas that I used a lot of, like brainstorming, where, like sometimes brainstorming with the bitches or with somebody else, a friend of mine, who says, what about this idea? And like maybe 80% of it works. And then I adapt it to what the rest, how works in my brain. Because every writer's brain is different. And um, I just can't think of a time ever where, where, where 100% of an idea as someone presented it to me is, was, was what I thought I would do. Whether it was a plot point for how to address something, it's just because they're not – and it's not because there's necessarily anything wrong with their idea. It's because they don't know how what my other plans are, right? It's so when you're adapting an idea that somebody else gives you, um, it was sort of like um, when I was, when I was um, writing Slytherin Black and I was wanting to do dimensional store bracelets and I was trying to come up with like the, the – um, how I was going to work them out and stuff. Um, 
and Kira and I got to talking, and she said that she had 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 done some like you know built up some information about these war war mages bracelets, um, and um, she shared her information, her specs and stuff with me, and said you can just use this if you want. And I would say I used about she gave me all the information, and I used as much of it as I could that still fit in with the rest of my story. But I had to kind of it's sort of like adapting a part to fit into like a different machine, right? right? You kind of have to machine it down to make it fit with my world building and what I needed them to do. And so it was great that she was willing to share that bit of her idea craft with me and let me adapt it to put it into my story. Um, I forget where I originally put that bracelet from because I copied it from Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, but that's not where it originated. No, you said you had to come up with it from a different story that you hadn't published yet. Yeah, I don't remember what it is. But then I have over 100 works in progress. That'd be ridiculous to actually remember it, I think. Remember. (laughs) But you had had specific notes about those bracelets. And so, um, but it's just, it's so, um, no, because we kind of, somebody thinks that the thing, that the the spec was was a prank. No, unfortunately, it, it it became a whole no. thing. No, um, no, she was, was not afraid. Yeah, because she was really mystified that we were kind of offended. <laughs> well, I don't know why you're upset. Are you, really? You you worked. Yeah, she thought we'd be flattered that she worked up a spec for us. <laughs> I was like, I'm not flattered because um, that's that's what I that's when I came up with the expression. I'm not your fit, bitch. <laughs> I don't yeah. do that. Mm. Um, and we're not your no. pimp either, for the record. Yeah, I mean, it's just def- I'm definitely not pimping for you either. Um, but, Lady Holder, you, know, you would be right. You would be right. Wow. Yeah, because she was in the she was in the same she was in the chat when we were talking about that that night, and she's got a really fucking good memory. Um, she does. It's crazy and kind of um, terrible. Um, she has a mind like a steel trap. She's gonna be that mean old lady in our retirement village in Florida. She's she's been reminding us of all the shit we said way back when. I remember when you said when we're like, shut up. (laughs) Um, that was ages ago. I've changed my mind. That's my I've I've grown since then. I've I've started hating more people. Um. But there was there was a um, there's this, there's something about idea. I find authors typically not always, um, and I when it comes to like working with other other writers and stuff, they're very generous with their idea craft. When somebody sits down and says, "I am having a problem, I I need help," authors will they will brainstorm. I've seen authors brainstorm something absolutely brilliant for somebody else. And be and be like, and the person like, I can use I can use that most of that, but I have to tweak this, this, or this. And and the author's like, yeah, you know, adapt it to how you need, make it fit for you. Um, you do you. Yeah, you do you. Go go take this as a foundation. If, if this helps you, use it as a foundational point, and and go do what you need to do with it. Um, and I find that most authors are very generous in that in that regard. That they just they want to help. Um, and that is a very different Whereas thing. Whereas readers get you. really offended oh. if you don't take their idea as gospel. 
exactly how it exactly how it yeah we don't want people mess with maddie that's not okay but the thing is yeah it's not just it's not we don't let people bash maddie that's a difference because kira loaned me maddie and she has never been upset at how i made alterations to how she initially portrayed him i've changed his career but she's changed his career too um yeah well it has to fit my needs um yeah and uh i needed him to be an obgyn for lantern legacy because i realized that um i really didn't have one um with that kind of experience on the city and i thought well what can i do with matt that would be interesting so. Yeah, and but I mean the only thing the only thing Kira has ever said about Maddie is don't bash him, don't turn him into a monster, um, you know, don't abuse him. She knows I would don't kill him. Don't abuse him. Definitely, yeah. Don't don't make him like don't make him a victim of a violent crime. That would not be cool. Um, so, so that's not why I did not name him after Matt Shepard, Matthew Shepard. Um, the young man who was um, uh, gay bashed and killed and and tied to a fence and and left to die. I did not name him. It was an accident. I didn't make the connection until after it was done. But after I made that connection to the real Matthew Shepard, I began to treat my Matt, my Maddie, with an extreme amount of care because I don't want to ever. Um, create a situation where I feel like I am intruding or or, or abusing Matthew Shepard's memory. Yeah. I believe he was I... 40 this year. Um, that sounds about right. Um, he turned 40 in, in 2000, in, in 2016, so three, he'd have been 40, be 43 this year. He'd have been 43 in December. 43. Okay. I knew I had seen his birthday come up or last year, so, but, um, yeah, it was a total well, what accident. Happened, what happened last I did it, year, it, it was just, it looks like he was interred last, um, October in um, the Washington National Cathedral. Okay. Um, but um, anyway, I, 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 and this, this isn't in this, actually, I'll say this isn't even a, a just to me, just about um, Maddie, is I don't mind loaning my OCs out. People have asked me a few times to borrow my OCs. I'm actually... 99% of the time I'm okay with it. I actually would have, I, it would be difficult for me to agree to that if someone's going to take an OC that I have created that is a positive character that I always treat as a positive character and make them like a villain or something. If it, I mean, that would bother me, I think. Is, actually, I know it would. Yeah, I know it would bother me. Because it, 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 it did happen. You can make Maddie a villain as long as he wins. Yeah. And he's righteous. He has to be the protagonist. He can be he an anti-hero. Yeah, he has to be the protagonist. And everybody story, has to even if it's... bow down to his awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just wouldn't. I, I would have a hard time loaning my characters out just even treated badly. You know, it's like, mm. I, and, and the thing is, I know that that's probably a double standard because I treat right? other authors, 
uh, created uh, original characters very badly. Um, I can't help it. <laughs> but on the other hand, Just if, you writing, if you're legitimately writing fan fiction of my work, then you're writing it of my entire work, and you're not just borrowing one of my characters and putting it in your work. So I don't know. There is a difference. Don't borrow my character and insert them into your work for the sole purpose of abusing them. Um, yeah, that's weird. It's, it's just, it's like, why did you need to, it, to borrow a good character? It borders on, actually, it borders on author bashing. Yeah. If somebody took a character no, I liked, and they sent me this scene as if I would be pleased with it, and basically turned them into a rapist. With one of my OCs. One of my favorite OCs, thank you very much. And I was like, No. <laughs> My unimpressed face. Let's not let it work out. I have a whole thing about how somebody decided they wanted to remix ties that bind, and I think we yeah, had different yeah. different definitions of what remix actually means because it was a nightmare. Um, oh, I got so upset. It was terrible. And honestly, looking back on it at the time, I thought that person was, um, I don't know what I thought, but I did not think it was designed to hurt me. But looking back on it, I feel like that writer, um, that person took my work, copied and pasted it into a document and edited it to make it ugly to hurt me. And I don't know why, because I had never done anything to them. Yeah, it just it wasn't cool what was done to that story. It wasn't cool at all. That that kind of behavior is just the thing is if you're gonna take if you want to write or if somebody wanted to and I've said this I've told people that if they want to do their own version of emergence and figure out to do it in their own way, I, I because it's, it's people have asked. I don't really care. This is fan fiction, right? But you're it's crossing a line when it's too close to my own work. If it's just my work being retold but ugly, that's crossing the line. And the story this happened with was not, in my case, it was an emergence. I won't say what which story it was because the story never nobody ever saw it but me because I said I'm gonna give, make I'm gonna make your life really hard if you if you post that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Wow. <laughs> I um I usually don't go go in for that kind of threat, but you need to not post this. I'm I'm not okay with it. I'm not going to be okay with it, and I'm I'm going to make sure people know that I'm not okay with it. And it was a little bit. It was a little bit of like if you think you've got more clout in the situation than I do, you go right ahead and post it. We'll see how that goes. They didn't post it that I know of, anyway. For all I know, they shared it on that group, but I don't know. I mean, that's just people seem to go to behave badly. Um, um, yeah, that group. But you know, but there's a difference between, and this is actually, I will say, I, somebody called did get in, get, did get after me and call me a hypocrite about my position on some of this stuff because I write fan fiction. Um, but I actually don't. I have never particularly cared for um, stories that are just retelling canon. 
right? I don't like it because I've, I, I, I've got canon. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I don't really see really the function of just inserting some character thoughts behind it. But, you know, if that's what you want to write, you do you. But it, it's not any kind of inconsistency on my part to say that I've never liked that. I don't really find it particularly interesting when I've got the show, the book, the movie already there with a lot less typos. Um, and I honestly find people doing fan fiction of my work amusing. Right. But if you're doing fan fiction of my work, it needs to be fan fiction of my work, not my work, the actual thing. Right. Where you just tweak a few things to make, to change an outcome that you didn't like. That's, that's just, hmm, whatever. It, that feels like just veiled criticism, but whatever. But I mean, maybe that is, maybe that's what fan fiction is, is veiled criticism. I don't know. But the thing is, it's a little bit too close to home. So maybe there is some inconsistency there. Maybe there is a double standard. I don't know. What I know is that it's generally ex- the ex- generally accepted behavior in fandom is that you don't do that, is you don't take another author's work and quote-unquote remix it without their permission. So, but if somebody wants to... And you certainly don't idea. take their work, edit it, and then put it up like it's your own and call it a remix. Yeah. But, you know, I've even told people, if they want to, like, go write emergence, if they want to change the main pairing, I don't care. Go for it. Go go tell that story if that's what you want to do. Um, but remixing my work's not okay. Cause that, and, I, and I think the example I give on my side is if you're using my plot line and you're using my original characters and you're using my main characters, this is becoming a remix. This is not... Fan, this is not this is not you adapting it to your pairing fandom, whatever. Um, anyway, um, so but when it comes to, um, I find that kind of thing. I wonder when I see that kind of thing happening. I'm wondering if these are writers or if these are readers wanting to adapt stories to get a desired outcome. Um, but I don't find it to be particularly. Um, it's an. It, well, it, I don't know. It's intrusive, especially since we're in the same fandom space. I would assume that any writer like um, J.K. Rowling or Stephen King or or um, whoever, they're not out there reading the fan fiction of their stories. I would say that it's probably actively discouraged. Don't get involved in the fan fiction community about your work. It's probably a bad idea. Probably um, because you'll be infuriated all the time. Like, that's my favorite character. What are you doing to my favorite? Oh, my God. What are you doing to my character? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. J.D. Robb, a.k.a. Nora Roberts, had that issue where she actually had a forum, um, and she allowed um, fan fiction to be published on this forum. Um, and... Um, her people watched it and uh, she got bent because there were stories where, um, where fuck things happened to her characters. She was a hundred percent not on board with, I don't want to trigger anybody. So I'm not going to talk about it. Um, But if you watch, but if you read the in-depth series, um, you know, there's some, some really harsh themes. Um, 
and um, the readers took it to the next level. The, the fandom writers took it to the next level, um, and Nora got so bent that she closed the whole forum. And those in yeah. that fanfic ended up migrating to AO3. And 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 that's this this you yeah, have to have a line there between, you know, you the original content creator and the the and and I've seen and you know on writers boards and stuff it's like you know people start writing fan fiction of your work don't go read it you're not going to be happy no matter how well they've written you're not going to be happy because if they did a great job with something you might not be pleased about that <laughs> if they did a terrible job with it you're not going to be pleased about that just don't do it but the thing is we're, and when, if they when, stumble when it, across the same idea you have it makes it an idea you can't use. Yeah, so don't go read about it. So um, it, I think the, just the general wisdom for, you know, or with the original content creators is don't get involved with the fan fiction or fandom about your work. Um, and, but I'm not on that side of the fence. In, in fandom, I'm on the fandom side of the fence, right? So I can't get away from, I'm all up in that space. And that's kind of been, I thought, kind of the understood line, right, was we, we work with original content and we transform it, we manipulate it and transform it, as opposed to going and taking somebody else's transformed work and um, changing one element of it to make it whatever. Um, changing one element so that one character is a rapist. That's just... You know, it it feels like it's crossing a line, but I know some people won't look at it that way, and that's fine. That you don't have to agree with me. Um. Anyway, so there are there are no original ideas. Um, there's only original approaches to ideas, and even that, um, as the modern fiction market has exploded. Um, and as our population has exploded and there are far more creative people on the planet than there used to be, even that originality as far as approach is, is fast disappearing. And it comes down to your talent as a writer to stand out. Um, ten different writers could have the same idea and write the idea. And you would have ten different books. If two so of those might, uh, authors end up with the same book, one of them's got some explaining to do. <laughs> well, I actually think you could put depending. It depends on how vague the idea is, how general the idea is. Because right. I do think that with some ideas, naturally lend themselves to evolving in um, a certain direction, and that if you give an idea that's specific enough to ten people, at least you know some huge percentage of that ten are going to bear a striking resemblance to each other. Because the more logical a series of outcomes is, the more likely it is that multiple people are going to approach it in the same way. And often your outliers in that kind of situation are the ones that don't wind up making sense. <laughs> because they're trying so hard to be original, they forgot to be coherent. Um, originality for the sake of itself is not a virtue. No, I'm just saying it's one of the things that really irritates me when I'm reading fan fiction is people are trying so hard to be original they forgot to make sense. Um, it's like there's nothing consistent about this. None of this, none of this, that it doesn't follow logically that it would happen this way. 
you're just trying to throw some original element in because people feel like they need to be original when originality is almost a thing of the past when it comes to like the written word at this point. The originality all comes in the way in which you string your words together. I've talked to you guys before about that. We, I don't remember what we were talking about on the podcast. We were talking about some idea for a rough trade or something. I don't remember how it came up. Two different people within five minutes of each other after the podcast emailed me their idea for an upcoming challenge. It was the same fucking idea. Same, we should take an idea. Exact- you and I should take the same idea and write it separately. We could do that. Yes. Well, yes, separately. We, we we've already agreed we don't we wouldn't write the same idea together. We're we're both. No, no. I probably get we're on both a plane. Pass- it, would, it would be bad. <laughs> well, she, if she got on a plane, we'd probably get drunk and nothing would get written. But you know, absolutely, um, Holder. That would be great because you could just pants your ass all the way through it. Except you're not participating in any of the challenges this year. Are you going to do Nano with us? Because we could do it for Nano. Do you have an idea for Nano? Because I don't. No, not yet. Are you going to do Nano with us? You going to kill two ladies? <laughs> we could all kill two ladies. If you start off with I that idea. I can't believe you're not doing Nano. Oh, my God. <sighs> but it was just it's just so interesting to me. that, And it wasn't an idea that crossed my mind. But And the thing is, it was the same fucking fandom. Because it was like the fandom was not – there was nothing fandom-specific about – this thing we were talking about. And yet two people send me the same idea, same basic implementation of the idea in the same fandom with the same pairing. And I went, huh, well, look at that. <laughs> and this was like, like, this, like logical consequences. It is a logical consequences thing. And it apparently, for people who are into that particular fandom, it really struck them that whatever this, this thing was would really apply well in that particular fandom. And um, because two people had it like almost, it, it was like it was like they'd been electrocuted and they were sharing it with me. And I was like, I wonder how many more people out there came up with this exact idea for this fandom. Because it was interesting that it was the same fandom. Um, so ideas can completely separately develop almost identically. The the difference is in the implementation is everybody is going to approach an idea differently. And so it but it all depends upon how specific um the initial idea is. Because like if if the if, if the idea is write a story about your character getting stuck in the rain. The odds of Kira and I coming up with the same idea, slim. If the idea is um, write a story about Tony's car breaking down in the rain and um, Ian Edgerton's the person who pulls over and gives him roadside assistance, there's some likelihood (laughs) that there's going to be some very similar thematic elements that come out of that. Did anybody else, like, hear roadside assistance as a euphemism because I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just my dirty little old lady mind. I don't know. We ha- we now have a new euphemism for sex. We call it roadside assistance. Roadside assistance. 
Triple A is taking on a whole um, no, meeting. No, it would be it would be really interesting. Um, I think that's how you see um, uh, uh, specific challenges coming together. Uh, uh, you see people approaching the same um, topic over and over again in the vignettes and in the the short prompts on Rough Trade, um, and just seeing that one word and them all getting different ideas. But to start with a very specific question specific question would be really interesting because when you start with a very specific thing um, the further out you go from the question the more divergence you get but especially if it, it, it depends upon how specific it is um, you're, a lot of times your initial points are going to seem very similar and so people, but I find this to be especially true with the newer the writer somebody is, the more likely they are to think that everything they think of has never been thought of before. And I don't mean that really as snotty as it probably just sounded, but that really is a function of somebody who is a, um, who hasn't, hasn't been around, not maybe not a young person, but a young writer who has not been around enough in the writing circles to see the same people, you know, people, when people talk about an idea that they both come up with the same conclusion, that multiple people have similar ideas at the same time. Um, And so they think that if they thought of it, they must have been the only person who thought of it. And it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. I read a whole um, thing, and I I love the Cabbage Patch Baby thing in The Hobbit. I love it. Um, the idea that that actually originated in fandom is a fallacy, uh, because Tolkien laid the groundwork for Cabbage Patch Babies in Lord of the Rings. Granted, they're really ugly Cabbage Patch Babies, But Sauron pulled the orcs out of the ground. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So that's where that, you I mean, grandma. that's the origin there. And that's Tolkien. Um, so the the idea that the, that Middle Earth can allow, can, can grow sentient life in the ground comes from Tolkien. Um, and it's been adapted in fandom for Cabbage Patch Babies, which, again, Cabbage Patch Babies didn't actually um, originate in fandom either. <laughs> I had one. It was so ugly, it was cute. Um, but, again, these two things come together, and you get this really awesome thing in fandom that um, that you... But Tolkien is yeah. the... Uh, is the um, well, we called them... The reason we referred to them as Cabbage Patch Babies in, or the Cabbage Patch Dwabbits in, in, in the Hobbit fandom is because we took what we had, readers had seen this person do, the first person who, as far as I know, wrote it in the fandom, um, and we immediately thought of the whole backstory of the Cabbage Patch Babies and how they were growing the Cabbage Patch. Because there was no mention in the story in fandom of Cabbage Patches. So them being called Cabbage Patch Dwabbits, was, that was readers making the association between those two bits of mythology or world building, if you will. Um,
So anyway, so even when somebody, but the first person who applies an idea in to into a fandom or whatever that they, they kind of develop the trope in the fandom, rightly is you know, people tend to consider them as having had some origin in that kind of idea craft, but they don't own the idea because they're still drawing inspiration, quite obvious inspiration, from other people's ideas, idea craft. And that's what we do, right? Uh, when I'm reading a well, book... Well, the fact is, is you idea, can't own an idea. Right. You can't even copyright an idea. That's, that's how we get inspiration, right? The things we see in life, the things we experience, the things we read. You read a story and you go, oh, this is an interesting idea. What if this had gone a completely different direction? And then all of a sudden you're off on a completely different direction. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Big Bun. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh, I... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Oh my God! Is that? It is. It is. It is. She's bun. She's big bun now. <laughs> I'm never gonna not remember that big bun. It's it's the big. Cinnamon, I think you just got a new nickname art because that was hilarious. Big bun. But uh, what was we talking about? Um, well, ideas, ideas are owning ideas. Ideas are, that's why ideas are not copyrightable any more than titles are. So when I see people getting bent out of shape about their idea, quote unquote, being stolen or their titles being, I figure one of two things, they're a new writer or they're from fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Any, any Experienced writer, original writer, would not for a second think that um, either one of those things was the grounds for a lawsuit. I don't think it's the grounds for a lawsuit, but I think sometimes I have seen um, the title of a really, 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 really popular fic get used elsewhere. I'm thinking to myself, you're just trying to get readers. Because, like, if someone titled their their um, their story, reading was just another word for nothing left to lose, and then wrote a Stargate story, I would assume <laughs> that they were trying to get attention. Yes. I mean, you kind of got to jump fandom if you're going to use a title that is well-known in a specific fandom. Like, I don't think, like, in... in I might be able to write an NCIS story called What Might Have Been, although I wouldn't because I'm a little too closely associated with Kira, but I, you know, you could write a story in NCIS <laughs> called What Might Have Been. Should should you be writing a Stargate story called What Might Have Been? Probably not. Um, I mean, you can. I care, but I will assume that you're doing it to get attention. And most people will, too. So why put that on yourself if that isn't your intent? But definitely, it, it's impossible not to cross streams when you move fandoms, right? So, like, I... I I'm pretty sure there are other stories called what might have been in other fandoms. So yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure that there aren't any other stories called Emergence in NCIS. But I know there's other stories called Emergence in other fandoms for sure. Right. But 
you, you know, there's title duplication is going to happen. I try not to cross the streams in in that fandom, especially if it's a popular story. Like, there's like, is there a chance in hell I would ever call an NCIS story imprinted? No, no, never. <laughs> no. Um, or a forever thing. I mean, Ellen's Cult has a couple of my favorite stories in NCIS. We've got. Um, imprinted and, and the forever thing and I so I just don't see that I would ever um and they're very popular stories so I would never just you know name an NCIS story one of those but I could easily name a Teen Wolf story a forever thing it 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 has one has nothing to do with the other so um yeah it's just one of those things it's like you just that's more of like minding your p's and q's because you don't want people thinking something that isn't true about you right you know um it's it's just why bring why why bring that on yourself? Yeah, ties so, um, is not original at all. I mean, um, as far as the title goes, it, that is there are probably like a three thousand books called that on Amazon alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no telling how many stories and fandom they're actually titled that. Um, my first Harry Potter story is called many, Restoration. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's at least 50 Harry Potter stories called Restoration. Um, not any that I had <laughs> read at the time, but I, I have since learned that they exist. Um, not even, And that's just in one fandom, right? So, you know, but when there's something that's really popular, and especially if that's a very specific title in a fandom, and you're writing in that fandom, I personally would avoid the title, but you don't have to. Because ideas are not a copyrightable, I mean, not ideas. Titles are not a copyrightable thing. But people are going to side eye you. We're just warning you. Sometimes I just plug words, my themes, into Google Translator and hit Latin and see what pops up to see if anything works. It rarely does. I do that too. Then I I go over to Thesaurus and do the same thing. I I named I named DeNovo without ever I didn't I didn't name it that way. Um I was familiar with the phrase. It is a Latin word, but it is used in English. So um it's like one of those words it's like one of those those words that are used in in, in English that aren't truly English like per se or whatever. Um that we all are adapted to, you know. But I knew was am aware of its origins. So when I was naming its sequel, I am like, I must have wasted hours in Google Translate trying to name the sequel with some sort of Latin word, because I have named, <laughs> it's the Latin series, but like, what naming the fuck conventions. I hate names. About halfway hate... through Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, I grew to resent my naming convention for that series. It was hard. Yeah. Well, I regretted my life choices this summer with my names. I regretted them terribly. I couldn't come up with names for my two um, um, Sentinel stories this summer, Send for the Man and Stick Around. Stick Around will wind up fitting better than Send for the Man. But I took them from ACDC song titles because I got tired of trying to come up with a name, with titles for the stories, 
and they both were had Tony Stark in them, and I decided I would use. And you know, he always he's always listening to ACDC in the movies. It's a thing. So I decided I would use song titles from ACDC songs, and that is um, that is what I, I did, use song titles and I too. regretted my life. That's what I regretted my life choices actually, because honestly, there aren't a lot of ACDC songs song titles that make good story titles. Um, I think stick around fits. Stick around wound up fitting. Send for the man was not the best choice I could have ever made because for the longest time, I couldn't remember my story name. I was like, <laughs> "What is that story? What the, the one the the one where the one where where Tony's the guide." Which Tony? They're both Tonys. I've got two Tonys in both stories and the guide sentinel thing. So me saying the one where Tony's the guide means nothing. Because there's a Tony who's a guide in both stories. <sighs> yeah, I just really confused myself with, this, with the title thing. But I, sometimes the title is there. Like I think of the idea and the title is I'm, – I'm all up in that. It's the minute I conceive of the idea, the title's in my brain. And sometimes the story is done, and I'm sending it to Kira and going, this is untitled. <laughs> <laughs> I recently Help titled Agistic. Did I title your um, Quantum Bang? I think I did. Or something close. You gave me, I, I, I'm debating between the one you and I talked about and one that occurred to me yesterday, and I'm trying them both on. I've, I created two file versions, one with one title and one with the other title, and I'm staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> I um, use titles to get me in trouble because then that's like the big gay, Kate, big gay love in Canada. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what I actually call that story because I've been calling it Big Gay Love in Canada for like a decade. Yeah, working titles can suck because if you if you legitimately can't use them, they still get stuck in your brain. Um, no, I have I have three stories that are I know better by their working title than I do by their. I finally remembered that that story I did for EAD last year, React. I finally remember that it's called React, um, <laughs> but it's because we. I. I. It really was. But working title was the Come to Jesus meetings, and I talked to Kira about. It. I said I don't think I can actually use that as the actual title, and we agreed no, probably not because it would really set an interesting expectation what people were getting into, um, and I didn't just didn't want to deal with that. It was like, there's no revival going on in the story or anything like that. Um, and then this year, my working title, um, the story I posted this year, A Place to Belong, which is a fine title as far as those things go, um, it, its working title was Overqualified. And I, it's still in my head as Overqualified. And there's, I the, feel like it really you, fits your story, actually. <laughs> I just I think I'm probably going to change that one too overqualified because I just it is that one there's no reason not to and it is pretty entrenched in my brain but the other one that has a working title and this is me going to be a big old fucking tease um the for you verse which I am fine with it being called that but it's working title I couldn't use because it was a spoiler for where the series was going um and you just don't want to spoil your own big surprise. So, Mm-mm-mm. but in my head, it is still that working title. 
and there's only like three or four people that I can refer to it by its working title with, which is the title that is just entrenched in my brain. Speaking of awesome, for those of you who have not been on Wild Hair Project recently, Claire posted a new Hobbit story that is freaking adorable. <gasps> she did. Yes, it is. It is just charming as fuck, Claire. I really enjoyed it. <sighs> Wait a minute. How come I didn't get any kind of email? I should be getting emails. Oh, did I do that? Sorry, Claire. It's Starkindler. Why do I confuse you guys? And I shouldn't because you've got a red turtle on your um icon. It's Dark Handler. Pardon me. I'm so sorry. I think you're fucking charming oh, too. Oh, I, I saw the, I saw the, I I don't I missed that. Um, it was posted recently, but I totally missed it or when it went up because it was it was during I think it went up during my mold exposure of doom. Um, but I noticed when I noticed it was last night when I was looking at the signups. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Dark Handler's doing a sequel to something <laughs> that I haven't read. What what the hell is this shit? So, yeah, I got really excited last night. So it's on my read list for tonight because I was like, oh, there's a sequel to a story I haven't read yet. Although I do know that I have read a version of this, but I have not read. Adventures Hazardous to One's Marital Status, and it's a Bilbo Baggins throwing oak and chills. Um, And I still maintain that both Claire and Stark Kendler are fucking charming separately. They are. They're not the (laughs) same. You need a bigger turtle on your profile. They are both charming, and they both write charming stories. So, um, they do. They're really charming stories. We currently have 18 signups for um, Rough Trade April, and it's just the end of the first day. So 18 on day one. That's, that's the quite only reason I am not. This is this will be give you, this will give you my answer. The only reason I am not signed up yet is because the story that I am going to do a sequel to is not posted yet. So I did decide to do the sequel to stick around for April. So awesome! I have. Been, I've been working on editing it today. I hope to finish the edit. I have I have another edit. I'm something. I'm starting editing something else um, this weekend, so I'm trying to get that wrapped up by tomorrow morning, and then get it off to somebody to beta. Um, I'll be available tomorrow. Okay. Hmm. I'll be sitting in a cafe somewhere with a whole bunch of coffee. Yes, I will. I'm going to try to get that done in the morning and then get it, um, although I may finish tonight, and then get it off to people to beta and um, and uh, so I'll be doing a sequel to that. And so I guess I'm not, I'm not done with the MCU yet. There's a lot to fix in the MCU. Um, dipping my toes in there was, is probably a long-term project. Yeah, once you're in, you just want to keep you just want to keep fixing things, right? Um, and I can't I can't I've write got a few an ideas. MCU story. Yeah, I can't write an MCU story that isn't going to implicitly have fixes in it. Um, 
it wouldn't matter what challenge it was for. It wouldn't matter if it was for Canon Divergence Challenge. It's going to be, I write Fix It Fix. That's what I do. Um, but if I was writing it for the QB, it would, of course, be Fix It. If I'm writing it for April, even though it's a sequel challenge, there's going to be Fix It. If I was writing it for, because it's a fucking fandom that needs fixing. All the um, fixing. It needs all of the fixing. Yeah, all we the We could fixing. do that for the Divergent Pass. We could do a um, an MCU Fix It. That'd be fun. That'd be a ton of fun. I'm down for that. My my origin, my starting point for an idea, my genesis, is always a question. It's always a very um, specific question. I threw an idea out um, a few podcasts ago. I'm not sure if you were on the air with me or not, if you was Lady Holder. Like, what if when Bucky Barnes went to kill Howard and Maria, Howard recognized him and got him to stop and Howard rescued Barnes that's an interesting idea hmm and that is um, that's that's where I start with any idea it's what if and then I fill in the blank what if You give me a what if because I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> well, I, I would say most of the stories I've ever written have been there's been a what if in them, um, and I could I could tell you what the what if was in most of those stories, um, like with 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 um, well, um, I won't use that one because that's a little pointed. Um, what if um, well, if we we look at literally any almost any almost any dead air scenario. Is we're looking at the what if Tony had been hurt? What if Tony had refused to let that whole situation slide? What if you know you could pick any number of what ifs around dead air? And dead air is such a fodder for um, thick because there are so many different ways you could explore and ask the question: What if? What if we had a whole about that dead air variations. What if Gibbs showed up to check on things? What if um, Tony was abducted? What if Tony ascended? I mean, died and ascended, or you know, ascended instead of dying? What if? And there's all of these 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 questions you could ask yourself that start with what if. And sometimes that scene, your what if in the, like you know, what if in this moment this thing happened. Sometimes that winds up being the middle of your story, and sometimes that winds up being the beginning of your story, but it doesn't matter how it happens. Is The idea comes around with what if. What if, and it, it doesn't, and I actually had somebody tell me like, that's more of a function of um, fan fiction, and I kind of stared at them funny, um, because that's not true. Because I still ask the same thing um, when I'm working on original ideas. It's like, well, what if um, well, I don't want to give that away. Well, um, my my merman story, my what if for my merman story was, what if my character, his name is Henry, what if Henry has a big hard on for Aquaman? 
It also has access to a fantasy pleasure club. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, what if? Yes. What if a dude with a hard on for Aquaman has the ability to ask somebody to pretend to be a mermaid for him? <laughs> Merman. Merman, yes. Merman. Um but you could when it comes to um I also had a um visual uh inspiration Ooh. for that too. That's inspiring. Yeah, isn't it? I feel inspi- I feel inspired. But it's like when you ask the question of what if this or what if that or what would happen if um and if you if you if you're not inspired by the question, then you then you need to ask a different what if. Because maybe you're not interested in what would happen if. Um, let's let's say let's say what what if. Um, depending on what Kira Kira said, as is not so much a lack of interest as it is a different path. What if. Um, I don't know why this thinking about canon interrupts or canon divergences that that deal with somebody else getting because um, that's the theme there. Somebody else gets influence over a, a key player at a different at a critical point. Is what if Tony Stark is the one that that fished Steve Rogers out of the ice rather than Shield? That would change things. It would change. Things he would handle a lot. things. He would handle things very differently with waking Steve up than Shield did. What if um, Tony? What if something had happened that engendered a little bit more distrust between Tony and Shield, and he wasn't inclined to tell them what he'd found? What if maybe? Um, what if Tony found records in Shields when he and when he and uh, um, Jarvis were snooping around? What if he found records of Bucky of the Winter Soldier, and that Shield knew Bucky Barnes was alive, and that it it made him distrustful of Shield, and so when he wakes Steve up, he knows that Bucky's out there. So, <laughs> I'm buddy, I'm buddy, my wife, um, but there's. There's all kinds of questions you can answer, ask yourself, that lead to a fix-it, canon divergence, canon divergence. <laughs> but I would, if somebody asked me, somebody asked on another, they're in the chat room. They asked, aren't most canon divergences implicitly fix-it? I would say the major, the vast majority of them are, because most people don't diverge from canon with the intention of destroying everything. Um, Unless you're most me. Can- <laughs> huh? What was that? Unless you're riding a vicious time travel fic where you kill everybody. <laughs> yes, well, but you're still fixing everything. Um, I, yeah, yeah. That was a fix-it. It all depends upon your point of view. Remember we said the fix-it depends? We said this, too. The fix-it depends on your point of view. And It may not be a fix-it for the Weasleys, but it sure the fuck was a fix-it for Harry. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
fix it depends on point of view. Canon divergence is a little bit more cut and dried, but most people diverge from canon. Now, there are people who are really into the dystopian thing who really do want to – they really are burning the world down. So that's a little bit of a different thing where um, the dystopian canon divergence is I, – I would say that is a big exception to the fix-it thing. But most people diverge from canon with the intention of fixing something they didn't like. So, yes. Implicitly, most, but not all, canon divergent stories are going to be a fixed effect to some degree. Why? Well, Lady Holder, if you want to do the idea thing with us, you're going to have to finish all your works in progress before November of this year. We can because we, we have to do it at the so same writing. time live on Rep Trade. Otherwise, you know, it'll be weird. Yeah, but <laughs> we think of all the writing sprints we'll have between now and then, where she can get her works in progress done. We've got between now right. and October what twenty fifth to get her mm-hmm. ready to sign up for that. Yeah, we're going to have you on a time management plan. We're gonna. I'll. I'll have you a schedule ready by Sunday. You need to let me know your work hours. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna project manage the fuck out of this. <laughs> <laughs> Two plotters. She's underwhelming. a panther around on our next podcast. We will catch you guys later. I want you to have an awesome weekend. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>